Hello and welcome to the Wet Palette Podcast. I am your host, Brenda. With me today for my next Chef Spotlight series is Chef Ashley Moncada of downtown Miami's newest gem brasserie, Laurel. Are you saying Laurel? 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 Laurel. Laurel. That's how I say it too. Thank you for joining me in the hot seat today. We have so much to discuss. Thank you for having me. Yay. First things first, you are not originally from Miami. Tell us about the road, or should I say many roads, that brought you to Miami. So I'm originally from Birmingham in England. Um, I actually went to college or university to study law on a field hockey scholarship, so I've taken a slightly different route. And what kind of a scholarship? Field hockey. What? Yeah. So I always played sport through growing up. Um, I think that's one of the many reasons I love the kitchen so much. Because it's like a, it's a team environment, you know, right. and service right. is like game day. So we get to do that every day, which is mm-hmm. fun. Um, but hockey, though, threw me off there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, important in the restaurant industry. Like, I t- you tend to see a lot of the people that have played sport and grew up playing sport love this environment because of the team aspect of it. Um, but yeah, then I realized I wanted to travel and moved to different countries and I always wanted to live somewhere hot and cooking gave me the ability to really move wherever I wanted to because I just landed and got a job in the kitchen Um, and then my love for the kitchen really grew from there. I lived uh, and cooked in Australia for a while, in New Zealand and in France and obviously in the UK and then about three or four years ago I came to America, started off in North Carolina and made my way down to Miami. And I also heard Barbados, that was hot. Yeah, we tried to live in Barbados. It was a struggle to get a visa. Why, bar- why Barbados? I've rarely moved anywhere that's been hot since I left England. Um, don't like the rainy weather, so Miami's perfect for me. <laughs> and what makes Miami different than anywhere else you have been now that you've been here for a um, while? You know, I think I was lucky because when I got here, I obviously got a job with Chef Mike, who's originally from Miami and moved and grew up in Miami. And it's very different to like the South Beach side of Miami yes. and the Brickell and the newer areas of Miami. So I'm very thankful that I actually got to see like real Miami. And I think that's why I'm still here and why I fell in love with it. When you came to Miami, were you, is that the image you thought was? I did, my did? first apartment was on South Beach. Of course it was. Thought I was gonna go to the beach every day, I did not. It was a nightmare. <laughs> and was it the whole, right? And and the whole like I always joking about like sparklers and the DJ yeah, and the, that we like to call them club strumps. Club strumps. <laughs> and that gets old. Even if you did do that upon arrival, it gets old. Like at some point, if you're yeah, living there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've yeah I've never wanted to work in a place like that anyway. So no. obviously, going to Ariette was uh, great. I really Not landed that. on my feet there. <laughs> <laughs> Not that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I li- obviously I like South Beach and the weather here is great, but it's nice to know like real Miami and be involved and be around people that are from here and not just see that tourist side, you know? Yeah. And how's your Spanish now? Still pretty bad. <laughs> Still pretty bad. <laughs> not that I knew how it was before. I'm just kind of wondering. Terrible. Terrible. Um, oh, I can kind of understand it a little bit. Yeah. My accent's rough though. Mm. <laughs> and what was that pivotal moment when things clicked? going back again when you decided this kitchen that this lifestyle was your calling I mean I always enjoyed cooking for my family and when I was at college I everyone would come around to my apartment and I would cook for them 
and then actually um, my wife now who I met at college she said you should become a chef and then we left and moved to Australia together and I started working in kitchens then and never looked back I loved it did you so you didn't do any like schooling or anything like that it was no. just you're just a natural I was studying law you're just a time. natural that's okay. <laughs> I, I didn't know that thank you Pancom podcast for all my research mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know that Tell me about the concept behind Laurel and the ultimate um, vision for it. So it's kind of similar to Aria in terms of um, we use classic French technique, but obviously this is more French forward, French heavy. We really wanted to just bring back like nailing mother sauces and um, like rich flavors and simple simple on the plate but not necessarily simple in like the back end so you wanted to take like au poivre sauce classic brasserie flavors and just nail those and um, just give Miami a little bit of that classical French food that sometimes it lacks you know and the ultimate vision for it I mean the ultimate vision is obviously to to elevate a classic brasserie style French cuisine and bring it up to Michelin level. That might happen sooner. <laughs> what? Uh, how is Laurel different from day one? I know how long has it been open already. So we opened December second. December. Yep. So is it? Have you already seen it be very different like, than from when you first started? No, Not I was. Yet. We were really lucky to have a very strong opening team. Like the majority of the the guys in the kitchen I'd either worked with before or they would had worked with Chef Mike before. Um, and that team has stood solid and they're still here now. Uh, the more difficult part was definitely nailing down front of house because that was a completely new team. But I think the we have a very good core team now and we got through some of the, the traffic, which you always have with opening where people come in and leaving and they're disappointed that it's not busy right away and things like that so now we've we've got a super solid team now um but from day one the kitchen team was really solid and they did a great job i have to say that was one of my first positive i guess critiques is when they asked the cows are all doing i'm thinking well i don't know where they they have to go now because they're they're starting off so strong (laughs) like how do you where do you go from there like you're already starting so high and so great and then where do you go from what are you challenging yourself to do next? Mm. Keep Just moving keep it forward. Up. Keep, keep it moving up. forward. Keep Consistency it. is key. I know, I know. But I mean, that was it's a good problem. I'm it's like, a great wow, problem. It's starting off so strong. Yeah, it and was. Um, honestly, it was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be opening. Because opening a restaurant is never easy, you know. But yeah. with the support of Brittany and Georgia and our corporate team and Chef Mike, like it was very smooth sailing, thankfully. <laughs> and um, so tell me about dishes that have already emerged as fan favorites. Guinea fowl. Guinea fowl, guinea fowl. Guinea fowl is definitely a fan favorite. Um, people tend to swing towards the beef on crew or the Wellington yeah. just because it looks impressive, you I know? pronounce that. Help me pronounce that. Beef on crew? Beef on crew. There you go. I'm like buff, beef, buff, buff on crew. Buff on crew. In French, yeah. Buff on crew. Okay. Don't know how good my French is either, so. <laughs> but the guinea fowl is, is definitely one of my favorites. Um, you know, having a rotisserie is a game changer for a game bird. It's just delicious. And then... We get very good quality wild mushrooms, put them back in the chicken sauce, add some creme fraiche, fresh herbs. It's like definitely one of my favorites. And when people do order it, they do love it. Yeah. 
um, appetizers, I would say the escargot volavant. Yeah, that's really good. It's definitely a favorite. And the tuna crudo that's based off a niçoise salad. Okay. I don't know if I've had that. Hmm. All right, homework. <laughs> what is your favorite part of what you do? And what do you enjoy the most? And what are you most proud of? Uh, my f one of right my favorite now. parts now being a manager and at the level I'm at is seeing like the young guys grow. I have a sous chef that came from Ariat. He's only 22. His name's Alessandro and he's just like crushing it. So it's so nice to see that he started with us in one of his first kitchen jobs and he's already a sous chef and he's doing an incredible job. So that's very rewarding, you know, passing that on to to the younger generation and seeing them do so well. Yeah, because well. you're so old. <laughs> well, yeah. Teasing. I'm still still young also, but it's nice. How it's old nice are you? To Let's tell the listeners how old you are. I'm 29. I could ask. Right for, once you hit 40, eh, <laughs> I can't ask anymore, but I could ask. Maybe we're still in the same generation, <laughs> but, you know, it's nice to see uh, people moving up within our company. It's nice to promote within Very the company, nice. and we try to do that. Uh, one of my other favorite parts is probably... Being in the weeds in service, yeah. really being like under the gun, as long as obviously everything's still going well and not burning down. Uh, but being in that push in service is really one of my favorite parts of the job. And then I would say behind that, creating food and seeing it go out to tables and seeing the reactions, the wow head nod from people. It's another favorite for sure. I like that's well the table that we're actually recording in. I'm actually we're recording at Laurel and I have a perfect view of the kitchen and I've sat here before, been lucky to sit here before and I love it from the other way too because I love seeing just the focus and it's a I always call it a calm chaos. Yeah. You know, and I definitely. don't see anyone sweating and no one's cursing and no one's throwing pans around. But once in a while I get you know, I see the intensity <laughs> level moving the a little face change. Yeah, but then all the plates, you know, they come out like just like it's a, like a like a rhythm. It's a flow. Yeah, it's a dance. And I could I, I could actually tell yes when the flow is is just kicking and it's I love it on the other side. It's a great feeling. Yeah, I could see how that would be. Let's talk about the Michelin Guide. I know going into Laurel, a star was on the wish list. Tell me about officially hearing that Laurel would actually be added to the guide somehow. I mean, obviously, it's a great honor. Um, it's a very young restaurant and. There's still a lot for us to do. I mean, the job's never done in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. But um, it's great to be recognized by Michelin and hopefully we'll get the recogni recognition that we want. I don't, I don't see how you would not. Just I know I'm to totally biased. <laughs> but I know when, um, so when, when, for those listeners who don't know, the guide, um, the official guide comes out May 11th. But the guide released eight restaurants that will be added to the guide, whether it be a recommendation or a bib, which you don't qualify as, and a or star. Mm -hmm. So when I saw that, Lorella was like, "Yes, just I knew it." You know, again, we are we are very new, so yes, I'm sure it will come. Yeah, well, and I mean, Michelin has been a little erratic lately, and as far as a pattern, and that's what I usually follow. Like when people ask me, I'm like, I have my opinions, but I also follow a lot of their pattern. And lately, they just, honestly, they just, I think they just want to keep people guessing now. They just gave in New York all coral. They, okay. they were open like three months, I think. I know they have a lot of history with the city, but they opened and they opened at a two. 
Well, that's a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm like, if anyone's going to be fast-tracked to a three, that is it. But meaning, like, it's not the first time they just, a restaurant just opens right. now, lately. And, and you know, we had a good, we had a good foundation. Obviously, a lot obviously. of us came from Ariette, yeah. and we did win a star there in the, f in the first year that Michelin came here, yes. which was one of the best days of my oh life. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so exciting. Um, so they kind of know us as a company already. Yes. So hopefully we're d in the conversation, but... We'll see. You know. How many more weeks? Yeah. <laughs> five, five, four. Uh, and also Bon Appetit. It's been a big month. There were a big couple of months. Just named as Best Food City of the Year for their April issue, which we're in now. How do you think Miami's doing as a food town overall with the other restaurants that you see? Strengths and what do you think are our weaknesses? Even in the past three years that I've only been here, like, it's definitely the standards improving and it, it seems like people are actually coming here to dine rather than just coming here to go to the beach, which is definitely a good sign. And to the club strands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, obviously, we still have a lot of club strands opening. And but even the level of that is improving. Yeah, we're finding a balance between style and substance, I yes. think, which, which we used to have a lot more style over substance. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think continuing to push everyone to be better as a whole community of restaurants, I think we're getting there in terms of just bringing the level up across the board with, um, you know, putting pressure on getting good ingredients and not just caring about the scene or the vibe which I think Miami did fall short on previously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And weaknesses as a town? Uh, mainly that, just educating the diners on, you know, wanting to, to experience, to have like a dining experience and things like tasting menus and actually going for the food and being aware that we're getting local ingredients from farms and we're getting good quality meat and good quality seafood rather than just we're on vacation and we're just going to find a spot to hang out, you know? To pop in, get yeah. a reservation. <laughs> I think definitely creating the dining experience and moving along with that in terms of tasting menus and people having multiple courses and understanding where product's from is definitely uh, more at the forefront in Miami right now. I agree. What is something you wish every diner knew when visiting Morale? Um... So leading up to opening Laurel, I was at Ariette for three years and we actually, in my interview three years previous, talked about the opening of Laurel, so I was hired for that position. Um, and I think Laurel had at least 30 iterations of the menu before opening. Uh, the, the more me and Chef Mike worked together and our relationship developed, that menu continued to change right up until the day before opening. So I think this iteration of the menu was our strongest and uh, showcased really what we wanted to showcase being a high-end brasserie so just want people to come and experience that and get multiple courses and feel that story what makes you and mike buttheads <laughs> french onion soup apparently oh, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second <laughs> We actually really don't butt heads. We're no. very, we're very similar. Yeah, get called Mini Mike, <laughs> Mini in, Mike. in Ariette Hospitality. <laughs> I love that Mini Mike. So yeah, we really don't butt heads. 
No, you finish each other's sentences. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> when dining out yourself, what are some of your pet peeves? Um, bad eggs. Bad eggs. Yeah. Not um, enough butter? Just just not seasoned, you know, mm-hmm. overcooked. Eggs are hard. Eggs are hard. Yeah. People people don't think that, but eggs are very hard, especially in a when you're doing 20, 30, 40 people, you know. Um, definitely eggs and brunch is one of my pet peeves. It's hard to find a good brunch spot. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I like to eat at, like, you know, casual places where you know what you're going to get. But I think eggs are my biggest pet peeve for sure. And you just opened brunch here, right, recently? We did. How's that going? It's good. It's uh, it's not as busy as we'd like it to be yet, but... Yeah, and summer's coming, so it's maybe a little tricky. Yeah, I think it's definitely the area as well, because of the foot traffic, really as we new. mentioned. It's all really new. There's still a lot of building work going on in the daytime, yeah. so... Luckily on Sunday, it's not as you loud out there. You busy this Sunday, because Easter. Yeah. Probably going to get busy. Hopefully. What do you like to eat on a regular basis? Um, trash food. <laughs> I was going to say McDonald's, Taco Bell, <laughs> Burger King. No, I like, uh, I like ramen, tacos, oh, yeah. Yeah. Mexican, you know, stuff that, like I said, that you, that you go and you know what you're going to get. Yeah. And obviously we spend, or I spend majority of my life around fancy food, right. if you want to call it that. Yeah, so like <laughs> you're going to go home and cook a foie. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What do you like to do in your time off? Um, I like to go to the beach. Should do that more. Take advantage of living in Miami. And now that you don't live at the beach, exactly. you want to go to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> I have two dogs. Okay. So spending time with them. We do like to go out and, uh, you know, spend time in the city checking out other spots. I like, I like Little Havana a lot. Um, Cafe La Trova. And Lung Yai Thai, like casual places like that. I haven't made it there yet. I know. It's very Bad good. Miami. It's very good. I know. Where do you want to be five years from now? Goals. I'd, I'd like to still be in the company. Uh, next to Chef Mike, probably opening another restaurant. Saying that we're never going to do it again, but we are. Yeah. <laughs> in Broward. <laughs> Please, I'll work on somebody. it, I'll work on it. <laughs> um, yeah, I just want to continue to grow with this company. I think, obviously, it's growing quickly. And I'd like to move up uh, to the corporate level and work with, alongside Chef on improving all of the restaurants and just continue to make great food. I think continue you to be a part of the Michelin Guide. Definitely doing those things right now. I'm a fan. Will we ever see the French onion soup on the menu, Mike? And can you tell me about how that butting that there you butted heads a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, French onion soup is a is a classic, and it's a great classic. And we did butt heads over that because Chef Mike wanted to make a twist on that classic. Shocker. But, you know, I, that was actually one of the first things I made in a kitchen. I used to go to a small little French cafe that was a creperie that had French onion soup on the menu. And I was like 14 and I loved it. I went there all the time with, uh, with my mom. 
and they actually let me come in the kitchen and see how it was made and stuff. So I've always loved French onion soup. So for me, it's a classic that's pretty perfect and that doesn't need changing. Um, the conversation was, could we elevate it to make it prettier, cuter, you know? Um, but I don't think it needs it. So it's now on our happy hour menu. I'm also happy to As a classic that. French onion soup and it's delicious. <laughs> and it should move up. It should move up to the menu, especially after hearing that story. Now I'm like hell bent on trying your people. Your yeah, it's a pretty good one, I think. And tell me about your love of butter. You know, butter makes everything better. <laughs> it does. Um, my love of butter stems from having, like in England, you have bread and butter with every meal, no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. And it's like half bread, half butter, like a real thick, thick slice. And uh, my my mom and my granddad, they all they all love it too. So we would just eat bread and butter all the time. And then I started cooking with butter and like obviously fish and, and butter and scallops and butter are some of my favorite things. And then garlic butter, flavored butter in the escargot, like it just adds so much flavor and it, no, it doesn't make anything worse, does it? No, it does not. <laughs> you know Cubans eat um, the Cuban bread with butter and sugar. Oh yeah? That's like a snack. Have you ever had that? I have never had it with sugar. I've had Cuban bread with butter, but not with sugar. With sugar. We're doing it at the window now, the Cuban bread. The tostada? With, yeah. Mm, mm -hmm. So good. What is your heaviest buttered dish on the menu? Um, I would say the heaviest would be the escargot, because it's mainly yeah. butter, or the turbo, because it's a beurre blanc, but mm. because it's got so much uh, acid in it, too. When you when you get acid right with butter, it doesn't feel heavy, you know. It feels rich and luxurious, but heavy, I don't think. Butter doesn't have to be heavy. No. You know? Yeah, I just meant like I guess quantity in it. What do you want listeners to know about you that I have not already covered? Um, I make the best eggs in Miami, <laughs> so come see us at brunch <laughs> and soup. As you know, that's one of my pet peeves. <laughs> yes. Um, I do not like desserts. Don't like sweets? Don't like sweets. Give me cheese all day, every day. Mm -hmm. um, I guess as chefs, we don't really like people to know a lot about us. <laughs> this is why I'm getting like to down stay to in it. the kitchen <laughs> and hide. Yeah, stay but mysterious. People like. Um, <laughs> to feel there's always something I'm sure like someone will listen to this and there's something that's going to trigger a connection with you and they might bring it up if they talk to you or, or say oh I want to go there because it, there's just always something and when, when diners or I guess geeky diners who mm -hmm. research where they're going like me um, I know it happens to me uh, mm -hmm. they listen to things or like facts about the chefs and I think it makes the visit better more yeah. than like a sterile thing where you just walk into this restaurant you know nothing of it um something that we haven't covered um we have a lot of spring vegetables coming in right now um so we're about to change probably 30 to 40 percent of the menu mm -hmm. so it's exciting for people that have already been here to come in and try us again people that haven't been here you need to get here you do you do you do you do uh, yeah. I'm telling you, make it before May 11th. 
Yeah, and then good luck getting a reservation. Hopefully, we'll be fully booked at that point. Yes. Oh, you will. I um, have a reservation um, upcoming. Um, did we make it? Or we're, if not, we are for already, like maybe that Sunday. So that way, we are in. Yeah, <laughs> Star you need to come or to brunch not. too. I know. I do need to do brunch. That I promise I will do that very soon. Well, Chef, congratulations on all you have accomplished so far. And I'm so excited to celebrate with you in May. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Also to talk with me, even though you want to remain mysterious. <laughs> Hopefully the listeners got a little bit of a glimpse into Ashley. And for you, the listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Come visit my social media, mostly Instagram and Twitter, where I post daily. Your support is always appreciated. Send me your thoughts, ideas, likes, or even gripes. I love hearing from you all at um, thewetpalette at gmail.com. That's it for today. From my palette to yours. Cheers.